Hey, hey, everybody. This is JoLynn Bright, also known as JLB in the house. Welcome to HopeNet Studio 2501, Conversations about Mental Health and Wellness podcast. We're so glad that once again, or maybe for your first time, that you're joining us. And I'm just so glad you're here. Um, On today's episode, this is really going to be kind of cool because I have two really, really beautiful women who have agreed to hang out with me. Uh, today. And we're going to focus on youth mental health. And also we're going to bring in a twist of art. (laughs) Um, So they can speak to all of that. And we really um, hope that you really get something out of here. Listen for your nuggets. You grab a hold of it and go with that. And we want to, first of all, thank our sponsor, um, a generous community partner for uh, sponsoring this episode. And on today's episode, we bring to you Amelia Pomachon. Yes. She had, she had me like practicing yes. that. I tell you, I've been practicing all week. Okay? <laughs> you did great. Okay, thank Amazing. you. And also Michaela Gingrich Gaylord. Also a big name, right? A big name. <laughs> a big name, girl. You did good. I, thank you. I, I think I just want to call you MGG or you something. You can call me GG, MGG, any of it. We'll, <laughs> okay. We well, can we'll all use it. just the letters of our name. Yeah, okay, that's, cool. that's great. Um, I do just want to bring up um, this, what, what why I'm kind of giddy today is because um, I worked with Michaela, and I don't even want to say how long ago, years ago, because then it dates me. It doesn't date her, it dates mm, me. Both of us, maybe. <laughs> a little. But when she walked in today, I said, she walked in today, I said, man, you just look so grown up. You know, <laughs> I think I met you when you were a kid. But we worked um, at United Methodist Youthville, or Youthville, which was the foster care contract contractor at the time and that's how we got to hang out because at that time I trained every new worker yeah and so we did new worker training man okay can can you feel it now that was like yeah. some of the best stuff we ever did I mean I'm still using things I learned at youthville 20 well a long time ago okay I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry sorry don't tell um I still use it every day literally wow. in my work wow and I don't even do that same kind of work really so yeah, there's still oh. skills I learned there. Yes, okay. You're a good teacher. Thank, oh, thank you. Tell, you can tell the camera that all day <laughs> She's long. She's a good teacher. <laughs> and then this young lady sitting next to me right here, Miss Amelia, it was like probably like, it wasn't a fluke. We, we already talked about divine intervention, but right. um, I was at HopeNet. I'm, I'm, I'm there now. And she comes in and... She's with a friend uh-huh. and yeah. she's bouncing all over the place. Okay. I'm like, who <laughs> no, is I this am. girl? I'm like looking at the like, books. Like. And then when I tell her, I say, you know what? You and your friend need to be on the podcast. Well, I think you reined her in. They're like, yeah. You're like, yes, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. We will do it. Okay. Uh-huh. Not to know that here we are now. But people need to know too that you and I and several other people just spent last weekend together at Spread Hope ICT. We and um, we partner, HopeNet partner with chicken and pickle um, once a year and uh, around mental health, suicide prevention and awareness. And shout out to chicken and pickle. Shout out. Um, we love them. And um, you agreed to be on the panel. It was awesome. I know. <laughs> and it, the focus was on youth mental health. So here we are today. So this is almost like a continuation of that. And it's great to have Michaela bring her expertise to and then that piece about art like I you don't want me, I'm stick figure I'm stick uh. figure <laughs> people so don't don't even uh, get me started on that so 
Um, I just want you guys to kind of introduce yourselves and tell a little bit. What, what do you want our audience to know about about you? Go for it. All right. So my name is Amelia Pomachan. I serve Kansas as Miss Asian Cultural Ambassador 2023, mm-hmm. thanks to the Wichita Asian Festival um, Cultural Pageant. I'm representing the Asian community at Miss Kansas coming up really soon, actually, in June. So um, I'm advocating for my platform, which is Here For You Suicide Prevention, ways to seek help, to spread aware, to spread empathy, to spread awareness, and to have real conversations surrounding mental health and specifically suicide prevention. Mm. Yeah. Look, you know, the, the word that comes to me is real that you because th- that's you. OK. And I like yeah. that you said that we can have real conversations about something that's hard. It's hard. Um, OK. So thank you for sharing that. Yes, and yes. Ms. Michaela, what do you what do you want people to know? Wow. That's such a long that's story. Le- that's there. legal. <laughs> I know. Legal. It's legal. legal right? OK. Um, so my background in relationships specifically to kiddos and mental health is um having run the Expressive Arts Center that was on Youthville's campus for almost Mm -hmm. 10 years. Um, And really, you know, recognizing the need and the relationship that art, music, theater, expressive work is for Mm -hmm. kids who are dealing with mental health issues. Um, Not just kids, everyone. I mean, honestly, I think it's an incredible tool. So that's my background. I still go up and do programming um, with those kids now, which is now Ember Hope. and try to, you know, use art in all kinds of ways to, to bridge community conversation about communities and with people about hard stuff. Mm-hmm. So, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you guys think? Why is it so hard? What, what, what makes it hard? What makes it um, a challenging conversation? I mean, we could talk about stigma and all of that. Uh, around getting help around mental health or I, I okay so we have we have so you guys I just noticed this the generation thing we got going on here <laughs> because um, just maybe the the things that were told us like if you talk about mental health you're crazy that maybe mm-hmm. that was from my generation I don't know Michaela if we jump into your space and then we then look at uh, at Amelia and she, here she's with representing another right. age group yeah. but what yeah. has made it hard in each mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't I mean I can say for myself my generation I think mental health was starting to be more talked about for sure mm-hmm. but it was like, talk about it, but keep it still private, private? because there's okay. still shame, right? Um, I think what's changing now, and maybe you can say, I mean, in a younger generation is, let's talk about it, but also make it a community conversation right. because mental health isn't just individual, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm struggling. It can be, I'm struggling in context of my community. Right, right. Yeah. So, and, and maybe for you, it was, don't talk about it at all. Right. So that mm-hmm. that is the kind of the evolution is keep it inside, talk about it a little. Now let's start bringing community into like problem solve it. That's my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think for my generation, it's almost isolation. I know COVID was hard on so many people physically and especially mentally. And just having that isolation factor um, during school, during times like that. Mm -hmm. And social media also can make us feel very isolated. I know my generation, I say is the digital generation you know we tend to be scrolling on these platforms and seeing different things and I've caught myself doing it you know Mm -hmm. feeling isolated while watching a video of like a group of people hanging out and Mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of why I feel like it's kind of hard to just address that type of thing Mm -hmm. when when Michaela was talking about Joel and your generation and 
also culturally, Mm -hmm. and I was just talking to somebody last weekend about this, like I said, being African-American and growing up in what we would call the black church, um, there was a heavy reliance on the pastor. Like, so the pastor was the jack of all trades. And now if there's a pastor listening, they're saying, I am so glad that is like, not still going on, (laughs) or if it's still going on to say, yeah, it's a heavy burden and I'm not qualified sometimes. But the thing is, it was also that thing of that you're going to keep it in what's good. What goes on in this house stays in this house. And the only person we're going to tell is the pastor. And then they will come and counsel to that, you know, so you're praying nothing came up. And so just to, you know, I'm a therapist today, but I didn't even know what therapy was. Right. You know, right. go to counseling. What in the world is that? That's wild to think about it that is. relationship with with faith because my grandfather was an Episcopal priest mm. and Father Jim, mm-hmm. you know, as we called him, mm-hmm. right, in the family was the person who kind of made a lot of decisions around what was good for mental health in the family okay. yeah. or family secrets. And mm-hmm. that was in the 80s, right? Yeah. I mean, 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. So that notion of, who who do we appoint as mm. as the main contact for mental health and help can kind of be problematic. So that's interesting to hear you talk about that. That just gave me the chills, Michaela. <laughs> that, that, that thing about who do we appoint yeah. for mental health in right. in this space and time, and for sure. even for the family. Well, and yeah. I I mean I'm not I've never my background and my degree are not in in psychology. <laughs> I right? know. Yeah, my background's in art. Um, so the appointment of can I do therapeutic work with kids? Mm-hmm. Is, yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Am I a therapist? No. Mm-hmm. But therapeutic work, work can happen in community. Absolutely. Right? You said that she yeah. said the C word a, a couple of times, that whole community yeah. thing too. <laughs> yeah. And what is it looking like for your community right now, Amelia? I mean, you're you're I mean, I don't even want to kind of do the thing. I mean, I'm old, I'm ready to go to bed, you know, but <laughs> Yeah, no, I do represent a lot of different communities here in Wichita. And I feel like the thing that just connects me to all of them, uh, representing the Asian community, the younger community, and, you know, just being real and open and honest about things that happen in my personal life and my my mind space, you know, has been the best part of being with my community because I can talk with those people and mm-hmm. they, I know that they'll unconditionally love me, you know, because mm-hmm. we t- also talked about support and like yeah. what mm-hmm. is support in a community and what does that look like for, you know, the people that surround you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, so that's a really big part. And I, and I love the answer that you even gave at spread hope. ICT um, is like, what makes up for a great support system? Like what are the ingredients if we're going to bake the cake yeah. You know, what's in there? What is it that you need? It right. may be different for Michaela or someone else who's listening or watching, but what what are some things that we can bring up right now about what are some good ingredients for a good support system? Do you have a few ingredients? Yeah, no. So <laughs> I, I really feel because I believe that, you know, we can be our own support system in God. And, you know, if we unconditionally, like God has an unconditional love for us, you know, and so it's not like he's going to stop loving us for some reason. And so it's that unconditional love factor that I believe really um, brings up support in relationships, knowing that, hey, this can happen and I'm still gonna love you through it. We're gonna get through this together. And I feel like that's what HopeNet really does represent, um, Mm -hmm. like therapists and people that are going to love 
somebody no matter what they're going through just somebody yeah. to be there to talk to i feel like vulnerable authentic conversations and exchanges of you know love and light is really important 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 pieces of a support cake yep a support cake yep <laughs> i'm gonna take i was gonna call it the support soup but i like the support cake because cake is better <laughs> soup is good too i like soup i mean both are good depends on who the cook is right yeah, but right. um let's have both I, let's yeah, have okay. both let's soup okay, let's and cake it. so okay. in my support soup yeah um the things that that absolutely there are are similar in terms of unconditional love mm-hmm. um from the people around you and if they can't provide it who can, you know, I think a lot of times mental health comes, um, comes in when you don't have that, when you didn't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think building trusting, and I use the word community a lot, but I think it's really radically important, um, is building trusting communities where you can have hard conversations, mm-hmm. um, and you, and you practice them together, you know, where you can say really tough things to each other, but know that, okay, the bottom's not going to fall out. You know, mm-hmm. we can say these hard things. And I, I learned, I, I believe I learned it when I was working at Youthville, but I learned this concept of holding space that also a good, I don't know, a good recipe doesn't always um, know exactly how it's going to come out. And right. so you're holding space for the idea, but you're also holding out, um, you know, hope that that if it changes in the midst of, of what's going on, nobody is going to lose it. You know, you can just hold space and not have to have every answer um, and I, I think we're all, you don't, you don't have to have every answer. <laughs> I don't for know. Or the people, I, I mean, not. I, somebody needs to hear that today <laughs> yeah. because when we are sitting with people, maybe we do think that we have to come forth with yeah. just the right things to be said. Yeah. No, I think sometimes, I mean, my experience of feeling held myself mm-hmm. when I'm in a hard place isn't about somebody saying the right answer. It's about them telling me they're not going to go anywhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. It's you'll like, stay. it's like you'll stick around. And I think kiddos for sure, that is a critical piece is I can get wild and I can have all this hard stuff happening and you're still going to hold me down and not hold me down, but hold it down, whatever our space is. Um, and that's been a, a radical act of love for, you know, that I've learned and that I've experienced and been able to, to give back. I think, um, so yeah, trust and, and being able to hold space and not have all the answers. That's mm-hmm. in my soup. Okay. That's a beautiful yummy soup. <laughs> <laughs> and the cake is the cake's the looking cake's pretty good, good yeah, too. It's good. Oh. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Man, um, I I was just thinking about I think Amelia, I want you to share your mental health story. Yeah. And I wanna go because um Michaela just said something that's really good, especially when we're uh, working with kids of holding space and I thought immediately of parents. Okay. Yeah. So Amelia is a young woman, but she also grew up, she has a story and there were parents there too. And Definitely. we just want to, we want to give something to them today. And the first thing that you said is a radical act of love is like even just staying there holding space and not having all the right answers. Just so being there, yeah, just di- yeah, dive in, like yeah. tell it, tell us, why why is this so important to you? Where did it all begin? Yeah, so for me, I grew up in a biracial home. My dad is an immigrant from Laos, and my mom grew up here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an ama- I had an amazing childhood. I went to a wonderful um, private school, had great friends, but there was one thing that happened, and it just completely wrecked my world. It was something that I had always been like, Mom, promise me that, this will never happen with you and dad. Mm-hmm. And then one day mom's like, hey, me and your dad are getting a divorce. 
to a young person in general is mm-hmm. absolutely, it is so confusing, heart-wrenching. But I was going into my freshman year of high school. My sister had just gone away to college. And now I have to live in one place and live in another and drive my brother to school. There were so many outside factors that made me just become more isolated. And that's why I use that word of, of my generation because mm-hmm, it just mm-hmm. you, you feel isolated when these feelings are circling through your head and I just didn't have anyone to talk to Mm -hmm. I didn't understand mental health it wasn't mentioned in my house in my family we didn't understand it Um, it wasn't really mentioned in the school that I went to either and one day I just I couldn't take it anymore Mm. the thoughts that I had turned the toxic thoughts turned into a toxic reality and the emotions that I felt felt infinite you know, even though that there was, I, I believe in God and that he has a higher purpose and plan for me, but that didn't matter in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was ready to just end my life and dim my light. But there was a voice in my head that was like, hey, call your mom. Just talk to somebody about this. Mm-hmm. See, what, see what could happen. Because here's the thing, like people don't want to die. They just want their pain to stop. Mm-hmm. When it came down to it, when I was done with the self-harm when i was done with the suicidal ideations when i was done living in pain and fear and torment because of things that were happening that i couldn't control Mm -hmm. i was like there's one thing that i can and i called my mom and i ended up getting the help that i needed and i victoriously came out of that and now i'm here right now talking about this and though it it, it's hard to talk about it gets easier each time Mm -hmm. i share my story Mm -hmm. yeah because you put it out there. And, yeah. and the thing is, even for the three of us, even right now today, that people don't know, it's good for our mental health. Just the three of us, right? Whatever space that we're in today, this morning, mm-hmm. um, all that we've been going through. Um, I want to jump to the parents. Like I heard what yeah. you said. I called my mom. This yeah. boy said, call your mom. And then you said, I got the help that I need. Yeah, needed. Definitely. So, Michaela, jump in here and say, what are some things that, maybe even what parents may experience and what is helpful. Sure. Well, I'm a parent um, of a kiddo who's dealing with mental health. And um, I was a kiddo who was dealing with mental health. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it goes, right? Um, I think what I learned from working with kids and then what I I experienced with my own kid was, you know, I I was scared at first. I mean, really, Mm -hmm. that's the, that when you said, you know, it's this infinite feeling, yeah. this infinite pain. Yeah. For me, it was infinitely scary to hear my kid was dealing with something mm-hmm. I couldn't control either. So this notion of like what out is of out of control mm-hmm. for you is also out of control for the child. Yes. And I think as a parent, I had to really slow myself down in my own responses and say, okay, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Who do I talk to about my fear? Because it sure isn't my kid okay. <laughs> who's telling right. me they're afraid. Yeah. Um, and so I sought help also again, you know, for, for when my kiddo was dealing with things because I knew that journey was different for both of us. Um, so I think admitting that it's, it's okay to be afraid or mm-hmm. scared or, you know. Yeah. And parents are supposed to know everything, right? <laughs> Well, I don't know about that book. I don't know how many books you have to read to know know, everything. And you you don't, but we all have these big expectations that if my kid's hurting and has something going on that's mental health, I'm going to know what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's okay to not know. And and that's about holding space too, is being okay with the unknown, but also still being loving, you know, Mm -hmm. um, within the context of that. So, I I mean, 
I think knowing, being able to talk about it with friends, peers, you know, seeking out other people's opinions and suggestions is, has, was helpful and is continuing to be helpful for us. Um, and I, and I think just being humble in the experience of like, mm-hmm. okay, this, this is hard. It won't always be hard, but we can walk through this gracefully together. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to walk like real soft. That's my, like, <laughs> hey, this is a soft approach, you know? Um, You're going to teach some parents. We should, you should just have a class on, <laughs> and maybe we should call it walking soft. Yeah. Walking soft. soft. Yeah. Walk That's soft. Yeah. yeah. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Can the whole room okay. have cotton balls? Can I come everywhere? too? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cotton pads on the floor. It's like soft cloud. Right. So, so some people listening right now are going to say, uh, um, I'm going to have a soft approach. They are yeah. saying <laughs> cotton balls. Cotton like, balls. Well, it's like, I think too, you know, you, you, you want to make anybody who loves someone, I don't care if it's your kid or anyone, mm-hmm. you don't want people you love to be in pain. Right. Don't. And, don't. and the natural reaction, I, I think is fear first, right? Mm-hmm. My grandfather, speaking of the priest, used to say we act out of two places, fear or love, mm. you know? And um, for me, you know, when I was dealing for the first time with my own mental health, the same kind of things you're talking about, that fear of, is this forever? <laughs> like this, what's going on? Yeah. You know? Is this ever going to get better? Is this normal? You know, all of those questions um, I think are, are normal things that people go through. Or why me? Yeah. You know, why my kid? Uh, I was just talking to a friend um, and I said, when you bring the baby home and you're looking at this baby and they're just so innocent and cute, you know, and you don't know what's going to be happening at 15, at 18, at 20, 25. And then you'll be looking like, what in the world happened? Or I never wanted anything bad. I never wanted my child. Yeah. to be in anguish or want to end their life yeah. or anything like that. But the thing is, my friend, she was so just there. She said, but the thing is, we can be in la-la land or she may not use those words where you can say this is our reality. Our yeah. reality is this, that there is something going on. And hands down, when she walked away that day, I just said, she she said to me, but that's my child. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm going to, what's that thing that you said? I'm going to stay. Yeah. I'm going to be right here. Yeah. And um, tell me what is it? I'm going to flip this on us a little bit. And from each of our generations, let's talk from yeah. there. What does it look like when we have stayed for other people? If, if, even if somebody comes to your mind, who have we stayed for? And what were we doing? Um, what were we feeling um, in trying to help them get through that or get to the other side? The thing of victory. Yeah. So you want to take that on first? No, for sure. Yeah. So I feel like staying in my generation is staying present in the realness of life. What's going on mm-hmm. and what's happening around us. And I think I mentioned this at the Spread Hope event, but um, somebody asked me the other day, what's the best advice that you can give a child? And it's not what you can say to a child, but it's what you show to a child. Mm -hmm. So just showing up, seeing consistency in your actions to see somebody, to talk to them, to be present, just Mm -hmm. to be open and honest, it it brings a sense of hope. And, you know, that's what I try and Mm -hmm. do my best. 
to, especially with my generation, you know, it's that authenticity that we don't okay. normally see. Yeah. That's a powerful statement. Mm-hmm. Authenticity mm-hmm. of a generation. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I am. Um, I, I'm, I'm just struck by that question, Joel, and I think mm-hmm. it's a really good one. Um, and I'm thinking specifically about so many kiddos that were in psychiatric care that uh, were really tough to hold space with. You know, sometimes you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. I don't know. You're so mad and you're so hurt and you are really tough. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and they, their claws were out and, and you know, mm-hmm. there was just a lot of behaviors mm-hmm. that were really hard to, to suss out and understand. I think what you said, which is really lovely to me is consistency. Mm-hmm. Like I, I found and have found over the years that I show up with the same script every time to every art group. I say the <laughs> mm-hmm. same things. Um, I am consistently who I am. And I tell the kids, I say outright, I'm here. I don't want you to get, you know, so angry you can't stay. Mm-hmm. So if you're starting to get frustrated or feel things, let's yeah. talk about the big things, but let's stay. Yeah. Because I'm going to stay and I don't want you to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so that consistency piece for me has been big. And I think, you know, I don't know if that's generational or if that's mm-hmm. just learned um, from watching a lot of good people. And I think sometimes what we do as we craft our practice of however we work with people, whatever mm-hmm. we do, we, we craft it off of what we, we needed, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And um, that's good. Yeah. yeah that's right. Good. I mean, my parents didn't always stay. And I love them now. And, you know, they, they did the best they could, but there were some ways in which they didn't show up. And so it's like, well, I'm going to do that, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. So that yeah. in terms of generation, that's something I can think of as what I had and what I want to do different, you know? Yeah. I'll compare. I think I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think through it. The first thing that came to me was laughter <laughs> is I, I think sometimes I bring some comic relief to sometimes really hard situations and so um, that sometimes that's my go-to, and I'm not trying to make it light or whatever. Another thing, um, a tangible thing, is changing around my schedule. And because of the generation I sit in, I can be a little bit more flexible because my career lends that. I've paid my dues, kind of. And so you're in a space where you can be a little bit more flexible. But the thing is, in order for me to be flexible to stay or to be present or to be consistent or even authentic with this person or this situation, I have to have support. Mm -hmm. I have to have my support saying, yes, you can go and be flexible. You can go do that thing right now. I'll do the dishes. (laughs) You know, it's okay. You didn't make the bed kind of thing. Go do that with that person. So I, I just think those are some things that maybe people need to hear, like how, how do, how am I, and I want you to unpack this just a little bit more before we even go to the art piece, like authenticity, people throw that word around, Mm -hmm. but what does it look like? I mean, it's being real, but what's coming out of you that brings forth the authenticity? Yeah, that's actually a really awesome question. I feel like authenticity is a feeling. Mm. when you, you when you feel authentic other people when you are authentic i feel like other people can feel that authenticity that you're giving off and then it sets you apart from all these people who do the regular you know scheduled thing that's the norm mm-hmm. but then when you step out and you're authentic in who you are what you okay. can do and, but but the thing is you there's a point where you have to 
reach that you know like you can but you can grow your authenticity if if that you know you know what i'm saying like would you say it's like um vulnerability yes because i think the more vulnerable you are the more real you can the more real you can get so it's a practice of showing up in ways that say what i'm not really sure what i'm doing or Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say this out loud i i'm kind of scared um i'm here for you but i'm not i'm kind of feeling nervous you know and that to me is how you start to build the authenticity Mm -hmm. is you you show up first with vulnerability um Mm -hmm. and a willingness to be wrong (laughs) to admitting Mm -hmm. that you know Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) i know not not the wrong that's the worst that's the worst news because you were groomed to be right yeah some of us have been groomed to be right you know we all want to be right yeah i don't know that anybody is uh, is yeah outside of that i was just the other day talking with folks about um what we have to change and this isn't specific to my day job what i do you know Mm -hmm. for work Mm -hmm. is is that there are certain things that can't change if a person is going through a panic attack telling them to calm down is is literally not possible sometimes right Mm -hmm. so instead it's like okay vulnerably speaking like i see you're really scared that kind of scares me but we're gonna work through it together like that's often to Mm -hmm. me that's Mm -hmm. an authenticity instead of everything's gonna be fine let's calm down let's you know mm-hmm. yeah. please or police won't do that so i won't have a panic attack right. because i'm scared you look like you're gonna die and you think you're right. gonna die and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm worried about that yeah but i i think we have to change some behaviors um instead of always looking to what can the outside provide to us to become more authentic like we have to do some actual work yes. that mm-hmm. changes it yes that's yeah i yeah. totally agree okay, like, like, you should high five her high five <laughs> No, that's what I meant. Like, and you can grow that, you know, feeling like you can grow your authenticity by being yourself, by being mm-hmm. vulnerable, by being real. And, and, and Michaela, you said something, the, the word you, after she came off of authenticity, you said that consistency. What did, what did being consistent look like? Well, for me, it was setting routines that I knew I could okay. follow. And just a silly example, but I mean, every time I would introduce a group with kids, I use ART, art, affirm, respect, and trust. Mm. That's what those stand nice. for. And we use those as like our grounding points. This is what we're going to do. And I've been doing that for 15, 16 years. That same thing. I didn't mm-hmm. change it because it worked, change. right? Yeah. Um, consistently knowing that if I settle myself okay. first, then I would be more successful with settling someone else like Mm -hmm. but if i was feeling wild out or something scared me (laughs) i was only gonna make things real bad um you know and as a parent that's embarrassing right to say like i when my kiddo first started having anxiety i was like getting real wild out and my husband bless his heart was like hey i i don't know but i think maybe you might be contributing a little bit to this. Yeah. I was like, oh God, you're right. Cause I, I was, I was getting amped up. Right. So I have to do my work before I can expect to help somebody else do theirs. Well, you know, somebody's going to, somebody's going to use it. I wrote it down. Wild it out. Wild, wild out. Yeah. Just wild out. Like, whoa. And and it really was, it was just, you know, you are impacted by the people around you. We all Mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. And we mirror each other. And I think parental relationships with your kiddos is like, those are that's your baby that's your human mm-hmm. you know that's a precious gift mm-hmm. and you don't want like you said earlier and i remember my mom telling me i said i don't want anything bad to happen to basil and my mom said you don't want anything to happen bad to basil ever and i was like well no it's my no yeah and my mom said honey everything's gonna happen 
the whole range is going to happen, right? Like mm-hmm. that's a good good word. That was terrible news for a mm-hmm. second. <laughs> I was like, really? Mm-hmm. What? But I don't know. I don't want that. You know, stop. And uh, turns out, right? How do you build character? How do you become a person? You go through mm-hmm. stuff. It's hard. Yeah, I was. You guys, I was thinking through when you're talking. Um, we have to create a safe place for people mm-hmm. to land and. Um, what makes us safe. Um, and I know in the therapeutic room and the therapy room, <clears throat> it's trying to always let that person consistently know that it's safe to say what you need to say in here. And I'm not going to tell I'm, you know, we, this, unless you're going to hurt yourself or something and I need to get you help. But what, what makes you safe, Michaela? What mm. makes you safe? Ms. You Amelia. mean what makes me feel safe or no, what makes what me a makes, safe person? What makes you a safe person? Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, I want you just to go, I want you to think about your friends because <laughs> I'm assuming that you are safe people because I feel pretty safe with you guys. I mean, I've consistently felt that when I've went, right. been with you. So the thing is, <clears throat> if, if I called in all your friends right now and said, what is it about Amelia? What is it about Michaela that makes them safe. What would they say to me? Hmm, that's a good question. A good I feel should like I, I have to. Should I phone a friend? <laughs> You're right. I do? Let's call some people. Um, I I feel like a lot of my my closest people would say that I'm safe because I'm always going to be an advocate. Um, I'm really passionate about people who need help with their voice or, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're, we're, that person's not being heard well enough. Let, let me help step in. And I have a very strong voice. Um, <laughs> Can you say that again? I have, I have a very strong voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, I, you know, I feel like because of that, there's a trusted consistency of my advocacy continually showing up for people. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that makes me safe. And I think the other thing is that I, I, um, I, I'm also willing to do conflict. And I think that actually is maybe counterintuitive for some people, but for for most of the people that I think consider me safe, they know that if things get hard, I'm not going to check out. And you're still yeah. going to love them? Yeah, yeah. and I'm going to go yeah. through the hard stuff. And I think being being willing to do conflict is is a huge and critical piece of of people thinking, man, you're you're all right. You're a safe person. We can have a hard time and we, we can get back together or we can come mm-hmm. back to center. You know, we were just at HopeNet yesterday, and there's three of us in the hall. And one of our interns said, um, I just had to have a really hard conversation. I said, an important conversation. And then the person said, a critical conversation. (laughs) And I said, it's that thing that happens like when your stomach starts turning, your heart is beating, and you really don't want to do that. So when I hear you say being willing to to handle conflict, to take Mm -hmm. it in, take it on, there's going to be some people that are going to call you. We should put your number at the bottom or whatever. Yes. You said, please don't call me. Oh, I, I create some conflict too. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? That it, 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 you know, I think we were standing in the hall saying that feels yucky, but then we ended on this. But it's always so necessary, mm-hmm. even though it's hard, yep. and um, to not be afraid. Because the thing is, even the three of us talking, I think we knew we care about each other. Yep. And I think it made it safe to even say that in the hallway in five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Those are great questions. And it reminds me of that acronym. I think it's think, is it thoughtful, helpful, interesting, nice, or kind? Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with the conflict, thinking about those, yeah. like, yeah. and it's kind of that, is this an important or critical conversation? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and knowing that once you do that work, you set yourself up for building trust and consistency for helping kids who are struggling or yourself or Mm -hmm. your friendships or whatever. You know, that 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 whole conflict thing, um, I, I do teach from the book, Crucial Conversations, I call it uh, navigating important conversations, but the three powerful questions to ask before mm-hmm. you enter it. So Amelia, if if I have something going on with you and the thing is that we feel like maybe peace has been disturbed or whatever, right, we're just yeah. struggling. So when I'm sitting back, I'm saying before I enter this conversation, three the quick three questions. What do I want for myself? Mm-hmm. What do I want for the other person? What do I want for Amelia? And then the third question is, what do I want for the relationship? Mm. Because the thing is, just because we enter into conflict doesn't mean that we have to break up, I guess. But it's that thing. And the thing is, if you think about that beforehand, it's kind of like your think Mm -hmm. that when you enter it, you it's good stuff. It only lands on good. You're not trying to you know be defensive you know but right. i said and get my point across and i don't care what you're saying kind of thing does that make sense no yeah that That's makes great. okay and it's like reminds me like uncomfortable conversations create a comfortable truth and ooh, that's a yes. thing. That's a bumper sticker, girl. That's, that's a, a bumper, bumper sticker. sticker. That's a high five. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I I resonate Good. with Good. that because you need to have those conversations in order to truly uncover that uncomfortability and then become comfortable in truth and you know before i you give us what makes you say <laughs> and what your friends are saying to me is um i think i better just let you just go ahead and say that to me well so. i from the friends i believe re- being relatable um and having no judgment no judgment whatsoever come to me if you need you know if something happens and need me to pick you up at five in the morning call me we're, we're gonna figure it out no judgment i'm here for you let's relate together let's talk about this that's a gift. safe space like you said mm-hmm. you know having that safe space good yeah. art yes tell, tell <gasps> me what's tell me what's he, tell us what yes. what's healing about that what have you mm. discovered over time what well, are you doing now? Talk, look, yeah. talk, just talk to us about that. I'll try to be succinct um, in why I, I know this in, in my body, right? I, this okay. is something I read. This is something I know. Um, when I was very little, I experienced a sexual assault. And um, mm-hmm. uh, the only way I could talk about it, the only way I could express it, rather, was by drawing make-believe uh, expression, right? Okay. I didn't have the right words for what had happened. Um and I didn't have people around me who were reflecting the right words because mm-hmm. of their own deficits and mm-hmm. things going on. Right. It's taken me years to understand that, but I have, and, okay. you know, yeah. yeah. but uh, so it became very obvious very quickly to me that that was impactful for me. And so as I started to, you know, grow as an artist and, and just started getting better at even just drawing, um, mm-hmm. I realized, man, this is a vehicle for other people. And so when I first started working with kids, um, when I was at the University of Kansas, I was working at a shelter and, and you know, we'd sit around and we'd draw. And that was, nice. and it was crazy the things that these kids would tell me through their drawing. Like, I was like, whoa. Yeah. And it, it was such a, uh, it was like um, an approachable way to get at hard stuff. You know, it was like, yeah, I get this. Like, you're mad or you're having a hard day or you're really sad. Let's pull out some mm. stuff and just make something together that's lovely, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's color. And like, <laughs> you know, this was well before color therapy in the mandala books, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this mm-hmm. wasn't then. Mm-hmm. So that's how old I am. But 
Um, so when those came out, I was like, yeah, no doubt. Let's that's, ex- that's awesome. that helps. Yeah. Um, I think it's just such an incredible tool for taking people from one place to another. Um, it's, it's like a vehicle. It's like a free ride. It's like, you know, there's not a lot of rules. And I think mental health in general, you know, when people are struggling, um, it could be really scary to get things wrong. Okay. You know, cause I'm already dealing with something that's not working and I better get it right. And art takes a lot of that away. The pressure of like, there's a right or wrong way to color blue. There is not mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's just, many shades of it. Yeah. It's fine. Um, so I think, I think it's, it's a wide open space, which is lovely for people who are struggling. Um, it's, it's a way to transfer really hard things into, into a safe place when you can't say it exactly. Right. No words. Yeah, there just aren't words sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of it, it's like out of you. That's the other thing. It's not all stuck in there. Mm-hmm. So it's like a way to put it to out. Put it out. Yeah. Expressive. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I, I think, I mean, now there's so much science to back that up, which is so cool. And right. I feel like I'm mm-hmm. real smart because I'm like, <laughs> ooh, I figured that out. Okay. Yeah, I know this. But I really just, ex- it was experiential learning. It was like mm-hmm. me doing it and, yeah. and knowing it worked for me. So, yeah. Awesome. That's good. I, lo- I love it. Um just briefly somebody's listening right now and they're like art <laughs> coloring i don't know what you feel immediately like you I, I say love that. art okay thank I, you I, I believe, joanne's like yeah. i do stick figures i think <laughs> yeah. i said that earlier but my husband did buy me a coloring book <laughs> like one year okay and that is there is something about just you know what this is it you also have to be still oh yeah and get yourself quiet to then get like to decide I'm going to use blue sure. on that yep, and I'm going to use pink over here yeah, or I'm going to use some green. There's decisions. There's decisions to be made in creativity, Yep, I guess. And so I, I, you know, we have a mutual friend that says she's a creative and I'm like, you are, you can make some <laughs> crazy things. But when I think about being creative, I'm trying to decide blue, green, sure, pink or whatever. Yeah. Can you speak to, um, the not being afraid of art. Uh, sure. Or, or being, af- well, and so I would say art, when I use that terminology, I'm talking about music, dance, oh, thank theater. You. Thank I'm talking you. about drawing. It. I'm All talking about, so for some people, art is getting in your car, turning on your favorite music and singing at the top of your lungs, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's me. I mean, yeah. or dancing or moving. Like my husband's a runner and like for him, his expression, I mean, he's also a musician, but one of his expressions is his physical body. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I tried to run with him once and it didn't go so up. <laughs> Catch me on the flip side of that. Uh, I'm going to go get my coloring book. Um, but, but I do think like there's, there's for people it's different. So you're right. Slowing down, but I think it's also not being afraid that expression, I guess I'm talking more about expression. Thank you. You Thank know, that's you. a yeah. distinction because I think people hear art and like you said earlier, and it's, it's like, yeah, now I can do, I hear that phrase all, oh, I can do stick figures. Yeah. So I think people really equate art to a visual thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not, there's so many ways to be so expressive. Much more. Yeah. Thank you. And that, and that's how we can um, share that with grownups mm-hmm. and kids. Yes. That can be helpful. Um, how has, how has art been on her definition been helpful to you and also to you mm-hmm. as we get ready to wrap it up? Yeah. I feel like music has been something that has really helped me from a young age. I've always loved listening to my favorite 
song and just singing and you know I feel like praise and worship music for me is just really beneficial for you know if I'm having anxiety I'll just turn it on in my car and listen to what's being said and the words and the music and you know we we know that from the bible that music has been an expressive art that's calmed down you know um King Solomon as David played and you know just I just for me in my generation I believe we're in tune to music a lot Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean, uh, every day I draw or I listen to music or I do art project. I mean, I, I'm I'm very. That's like I'm steeped in that mm-hmm. tea. You know that mm-hmm. that for me is my medicine. Steeped and it, in that awesome. tea. Yeah. That's and is that a bumper sticker too? I'm steeped we're, steep in we're that actually tea. doing a bumper sticker <laughs> podcast. <right? laughs> <laughs> Don't y'all try to steal these now? Okay, these are copyrighted. These are yeah. <laughs> but I um. So it's something that I do all the time. It's a stress reliever for me. Mm-hmm. Um, for my kiddos, the same. My husband, I think, you know, we've built a, a world around being creative people and um, being expressive in multiple ways. And, you know, it's a it's a really um, important passion of mine to talk about that in all the spaces that I occupy. So great, awesome. It's it's really funny because I think about this. I'm I'm not a singer. I can sing, but I'm not a singer. I'm a talker. Um, and yes, we do play music in our house and stuff like that. I grew up around music, but this is the funny thing with God, okay? He wakes me up with a song <laughs> almost every morning, okay? And this is what I found out about God is that he likes every genre, okay? <laughs> because yes, the is. other day, I'm serious. I woke I've never woke up to this song, and it was Girls Just Want to Have Fun. <laughs> And I said, maybe he wants me to have fun. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm not having a lot of fun. But the thing is, like, what songs come that are encouraging and that kind of thing. And so I think that's how he speaks to me. And so I'm glad that you talked about being expressive. Yeah, versus just just, visual art. Yes, visual art. Thank thank you for clarifying that for us. I think that's a big thing that people get confused. And yeah, it it is so, it's vast. Expression is a vast, you know, Mm -hmm. space. And um yeah, my husband has a song in his heart every morning. That's what we call it. Oh. <laughs> That's me. Oh. That's not good, is it? And so, there's <laughs> an and, and, and there was the music. And, and, and there was the song in his heart. Okay, here we go. Beautiful. We're, man, are, can we like go like for another hour? We I know, could. this we is a great conversation. Could. Yes, and thank you for having this conversation about mental health and wellness. And just the take just from the two of you has been really, really, really good. And it's made me feel really good. I mean, we, we know the secret behind this podcast that there's, you know, there's, um, yeah, it was divine intervention. It was. And so we really thank God for that. Really but we really, um, I, I, I'm going to ask one last question and um, for, for each of you that we're going to close on, like if, because we do have to end the conversation, what's one thing that you would want someone to remember um, either that you said today or say, I'm going to give you one last word of hope. Can you do that right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's about community and building a network that can hold space for you. Thank you. Yeah, I believe that speaking out is the best thing that we can do. Whether you're struggling, whether you know somebody that's struggling and trauma wants us to stay silent, but our voices can be heard and they are heard. 
I'm voting for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, where do we sign up to yeah, vote? Where where up? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I, I think um, mine is continue to work on just being safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being safe. And sometimes we may mess that up, but then um, but get back. But get, know, back. And do, and get back. Get back. Thank you guys for bumper stickers, sounds, and, <laughs> and words, and all and that today. And all of it. Yes. <laughs> and we just want to thank our audience just for hanging out with us today. Thank you for listening and or um, watching on video. And this is, once again, JLB in the house. We want to thank our sponsor again, um, a generous community partner. Thanks for coming alongside for this episode. This is epic. This, uh, this episode was epic. And so we just want to thank you for joining us. And until next time, it's JLB in the house signing out. Bless you. Thanks for listening to Studio 2501, conversations about mental health and wellness. Studio 2501 is hosted by Joe Lynn Bright. Joe Lynn is HopeNet's Director of Community Impact, a published author and has been a licensed clinical therapist for over 20 years. This podcast is owned and operated by HopeNet in Wichita, Kansas. HopeNet is a faith-based nonprofit providing a wide range of mental health and wellness services, including counseling, life coaching, and trainings. For more information on HopeNet and to learn how you can help expand our mission, visit hopenetwichita.org and follow us on social media at HopeNet Wichita. Thank you.